I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it is gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Welcome to the Dune Saga Podcast. Your hosts, David, Scott, and Jim, guide you through the chronological epic story of Dune. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Dune Saga Podcast. I'm David Moulton. And I am Scott Hertzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And on this episode, we are discussing the Children of Dune miniseries. Do you know how long I have been waiting to do (laughs) the Dune miniseries? Like every episode, you're like the music, <laughs> the musical. <laughs> and then you know, I was watching. It was like the musical. You know, it was, yeah. it's just it's it's just one of these. <laughs> when you look at the things that have been done with Dune cinematically, mm-hmm. uh, Children of Dune has to be my personal highlight, at least. Ah, uh, same here. Yeah, my personal highlight. You know, it's just so I'm I'm really happy we're discussing it. <laughs> and uh, you know, this is it. We don't have a lot of uh, movie footage. Uh, after this, right? Exactly. So, exactly. Exactly. So, for those of you unfamiliar with the the mini series, uh, it covers Dune Messiah and Children of Dune. Uh, it's uh, broken into three parts. The first part being completely dedicated to Dune Messiah, which I like the way they did that. By the way, the fact that they ended it walking on the desert, and then we kind of have a new chapter for. Not yet, and the nine years the, has passed. Yeah, even though they look like they're like mm-hmm. twenty-four. I know. I was like, <laughs> wait, aren't they supposed to be like thirteen and fourteen here? And I'm like, mm. yeah, suspension of disbelief. Yeah, yeah right. Jim, your thoughts? You're watching the miniseries of uh, first time watching it. It it was the first time I've seen it, and I'll tell you what, I just thought it was incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that guy as Paul. I like Newman does a great yeah. job as Paul. He's just, yeah. he is Paul to me. Yeah. And, uh, um, James McAvoy. He nails, nails Lena. Yeah. And the women. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Ollie is something else, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, the actor that plays her did a great job portraying Alia. Yeah. Just, yeah. you know, um, I have um, the complaints I have with all you are not in the acting job. So <laughs> no, yeah. So it was, uh, that was, <laughs> I love, I love Stilgar. Oh, he's so much better in this. He's one. so, he is, yeah. he is much better in this one. Yeah. Now, yes. Gurney Halleck, same guy. I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It, it looked yeah, the same. But, yeah. It just wasn't sure. But, and the Baron, he, he just, he just had the facial hair this time. Right. All right, 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 right. Which suited him, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, suited him. He was more yeah. of a gurney this time to me. It's funny. I, like, uh, ages, when we watched the first miniseries, I watched this right after with, uh, I introduced my mother to it. And we're not even through Dune Messiah. She's just like, 
how old is this girl supposed to be, the Alia? And she just was like, just let it go. She's like, she is not as young as you tell me. And I was like, ah. I don't want to like spoil it and be like, you're going to flash ahead and be appropriately aged, you know, right. later. <laughs> yeah, there was just so much good. There, there were, I thought that overall, even, and I, and I liked Dune. Mm-hmm. The, the the miniseries in Dune. But I did like the overall, the casting of the actors was just a little bit more solid here. Mm-hmm. And the musical score was phenomenal in this one. Right, right. Now, I don't know what the budget for Dune was, but apparently IMDb is telling me $20 million for this miniseries. Is that a lot for a miniseries? Well, I mean, I mean it, it sounds like a lot for a TV show. To me, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know uh, what a normal miniseries budget is, so. but I mean, to me, that's like, well, that explains why they got the better actors and all that jazz. Yeah, suited out. And, and what year was that then? Two thousand two, two thousand three. It came out. Yeah, two thousand four so, is the release. Is the release date of it? So that's two thousand two dollars. Yeah, that that's a pretty good chunk of change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say. I'd say. What year did the first one come out? It was like two years before? Yeah. I mean, one or two? Yeah. This was a three. Yeah. So, my overall impression, I, I mean, I love, this is, this, this to me is Dune. And there's so, so often I'm like telling people how much I love Dune. I'm like, this is my favorite. You've got to see this. And they're like, okay. And I'm like, all right, there's just a six hours of, of like movie before it. you have to watch to even understand what's going on. So <laughs> right. let's sit down for a while. Uh, yeah. That's the only downfall to it, really. Um, but one, I mean, I've loved one of the things, from this one of the things that really impressed me about this one was it was far more professionally done. Yes. Uh, by the, the way, costumes were much better than they yeah. were in in the first miniseries. The, the eyes didn't flicker in and out. Right. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, and, and they did a lot better job on the blue eye. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, uh, was it Matthias? Matthias, sorry, Matthias uh, said, and I, I confirmed it. Uh, the first Dune also had a twenty million dollars budget. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. So they just they you know I don't know if in that time period the technology had grown or they huh. just you know it was more concise. I I just don't know. But it was somehow they got Susan Sarandon in there and, yeah. and, uh, and, and just a really top notch group of actors to kind of really put this together and it, and it worked well. Yes. Yeah. So I have a question. Which eyes do you prefer? Do you, or which do you think are book, more book accurate? The completely blue shaded or the blue iris and the blue, um, color tint? That children of Dune have. Now, do you know this answer? I think it's debatable because yeah. they just say it's blue within blue, which I feel that the children of Dune captures. But at the same time, I'm like, well, it would make sense. Your whites would be blue too. I, I just, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I can't answer that. I, I like the blue eyes in this in this miniseries better. Yeah, but. Jim. Yeah, I, I think they would all be all blue, yeah. just okay. the way they did in the miniseries. Okay. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's discuss some of the differences between this and the book. Between this and the book. Yeah. Uh, a big one that jumps out is Duncan's eyes look human. 
Oh yeah, and they're not. I forgot they're kind of uh, what Talaxu uh, metal yeah. orbs are supposed to be. Yeah, they didn't even touch that. Right. right. See, they saved. They saved like two million dollars in the budget right there. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. That's no. true. No, they didn't. They didn't even touch that. Um, Jim, how about you? Do you have a difference that came up comes up? Um. Well, a few. <laughs> <laughs> um. We're talking between the book and the movie. Yeah. Well, okay. Bijaz is even more irritating in the movie <laughs> than he is in the book, for one thing. <laughs> uh, Farak is not playing a lute. <laughs> Shame on you. Okay. That. How dare you? <laughs> that would be more like what I think a balisette would look like. Uh, what else? Um, that, that's that's really about it uh it just it was more concise it was a lot easier to follow and it cleared a lot of stuff up for me right right a lot of the extraneous stuff was also kind of like we don't have we don't have duncan restrained when he goes to uh the carino house and uh and cutting his arteries open with the yeah. uh, sugar wire they don't we don't have that we don't have the uh yeah. we we have alia killing herself oh spoiler alert no i'm sorry but <laughs> killing herself but uh but but instead of instead of throwing herself out the window she uh stabbed herself with a chris knife you know um right and so we have some of that stuff that is is different um I think one of the things that was different than I imagined it would be would be Leto's transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, I just pictured yeah. that. I just pictured that when I read it differently. Yeah. And not that what they did was beautiful and worked. And, you know, it was slowly expanding over his body throughout the movie. And that, that was awesome. And that's, um, but I kind of viewed it as being a complete transformation right away yeah. when I, when I read well, the what- book. I'm the same way. When I read the book, I got the impression that he was wearing more or less a living still suit. Yeah, yeah. In, in the in the book, he's completely covered by the time he gets to Arakim. In the movie, it's yeah. kind of like well, we we don't want to cover up James James McAvoy's hot body. Come on, <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna we're, teeth. we're gonna we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be like cutting off the. Uh, the women def- demographic. Come on, we don't want to, we don't want to cut uh, off the female demographic here. But. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I so I, I think that some of the stuff they added in was really good too. Like we talked about it before, but uh, let's kind of just the the death scenes at the end of Dune Messiah adds so that whole like the, one the music and just like the intense build up of the children being born. And the murders happening, like everything kind of falling into place. Um, it kind of puts characters in different places, like Stilgar's not at the siege with them. He's an Arakeen, you know, stuff like that. But it's so beautiful and it works so well. Just the, the death scenes. They really do it for me. And uh, Edric, I think that's his name, the, the uh, navigator, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you like the navigator here yeah, better. I think the navigators look so good in this, in this film. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, uh, Matthias said that Paul's eyes turn black instead of being completely destroyed as well, which is true. I mean, they talk about his eyes being totally burnt out, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but that had been way more grotesque to have a uh, yeah. have a preacher running around with you know sockets, and that's it. Right. 
probably so, a lot harder yeah. to do. The uh, death scene was like of, of of Paul is like I imagined it, mm-hmm. right pretty much. Um, that that whole scene and and Leto's kind of holding him and the burden passed to you and yeah. his his roar that he has going on is just awesome. Yeah, there's so mm-hmm. so much to it that, that's that's just great. Uh, one thing that I don't like is I dislike the the character change of Jessica. Somehow I like the queen just doesn't fit. That's her. right. It was the Borg queen, she's, wasn't it? She, Jessica's supposed to be this like crazy matronly beauty, beautiful woman. And I just, I just don't think that what, I mean, green eyes and stunning hair. Right? I thought the other one, she fit it much, much yeah. better, but, uh, you know, we don't know whether also whether that actor was unavailable. She was it. In my trivia for later, but oh, she, oh uh, yeah, we ruined it. She was she was pregnant, so she couldn't <laughs> turn off the feed net. No, <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Now, I'll, I'll tell you what. I I kind of disagree with you, David. Really? I mean, I yeah, I I just thought that uh Alice Creech did an awesome job as Jessica. Okay. All right. Uh I mean, yeah, she doesn't have have the the same looks in any of that, but I'll tell you what, she convinced me. She's a better actress. Yes. I'll give you that. Oh, yeah. She's got some acting chops for sure. Yeah, she She's was definitely the better actor of the two. She doesn't quite have the look that I envisioned, but I thought I believed her. Yeah. I, you're mad. I'll but, agree with that. Yeah. And she's good. She's good side by side with uh, Susan Sarandon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With Cecilia. I think that that's yeah. really. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was pretty good. So <laughs> there's also a lot more of um, Irulan. In this, and Irulan's relationship to the children, and I, mm-hmm. I think that adds a lot to the story for the movie. To me, just it gives you a sense of like there is a matronly person, matronly woman, like over them, looking out for them. Since Ollie is not feeling that yeah. at all, and in the book they say that oh that they're that she's like taking that role, but you never really see it right in action, and we see it in action here in the miniseries yeah. a bit more. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I that that it didn't bother me, but it was different. Was the whole the the cat sent to attack them? Um, number number one, we don't see them getting wounded, which they they are, um, and and also it's kind of a plan. They have this plan safe word where they're kind of saying, "Okay, I'm going to through our Bene Gesserit technique through uh, whatever whatever they they are." They're, she's Galima is able to uh, put it into a small recess of her mind, so she actually believes that he's dead. Right, and they just don't touch that at all. Like she, she doesn't really think he's dead because she still feels him. Yeah, but but they just don't address that. Like when he comes back, it is a surprise to her. Yeah, so they just don't really touch that. Um, I got the impression she suspects that he's dead, but. Don't yeah, she feels him. So she's not sure, right? So, which is different than the book. Yeah. So, yeah. And probably not a big point, but it was something that no, that it's it, something that I that I thought of. I felt like it was implied. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more than overt, but applied. I agree with that. Yeah, but I think a person who had not read the book probably wouldn't pick up on it. Oh. <laughs> 
What What do you think of uh, Leto's display of power? Do you think it was appro- a, appropriately done, or should there have been more? What, what Where at? Give me once, a once he point. gets the, the skin, because he just basically just runs fast and survives the storm. He stops the worm. That Paul- well, he uh, demonstrates it in front of Alia when they, she tells all the royal guard to attack yeah. him, and he like takes all of them out. It goes all Matrix on her. You know, it's just, um, <laughs> you know, we have that. Yeah. And I think that that shows a power. Did it, did it fit? Do you think it fit the character the way it should have been in the book? I don't know that I imagined it that way in the book. Right. Jim, well, what, what book, are your thoughts on that? He's jumping, like, over mountains and stuff. Really? Or, well, not mountains, but, like, a cliff. He jumps, like, over a cliff or something. Yeah, he jumps down a cliff. That's right. Yeah, I I think it was a little overdone. Um actually. Not um not extremely, but yeah, jumping over, you know, leaping tall buildings in a single bound and things like that. It just, I I didn't get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was definitely subdued, but at the same time for the themes and the and the way that everything had played out in the series, it kind of fit your believable uh, abilities for someone to get during, you know, in this world. It, you know, when you read a book, it's it's a lot easier to be like, well, now he can, you know, lift a mountain, you know, and you're just like, okay. But when you're watching something visual, you need a little bit more, I don't know, to me. In- yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, I felt like it fit the movie. Yeah. I did not feel like it was out of place. Um, one of the questions that, that, that I was just thinking, I was like, do you think that someone could come to the Children of Dune miniseries and not have read Children of Dune? Maybe read Dune, but not Children of Dune. Oh, and yeah. still, still understand it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's pretty accessible. Mm-hmm. I've introduced many people to Children of Dune who have never read any Dune. Yeah. Now, Granted, like I mentioned before, they have to watch the first miniseries or they won't understand it. And right. before they watch the first miniseries, there's about a 20, 25 minute conversation of me just giving them all the. Giving them all the background. The background. Right, right, right. Uh, but uh, I have a lot of. I think even have a friend that owns both of them who's never read that yeah. I introduced it to. Hmm. Yeah. Now, see, this brings a question to, to mind for me for you, Scott. Okay. Okay. I. Just today, on the way to work and back, listen to our uh, discussion of the book, Children of Dune. Okay. And I and I wondered, remembering what you said uh, last month, <laughs> do you think do you think that watching the miniseries shaded your understanding of the book a little bit? Do you think maybe it enhanced your understanding of the book a little bit? See, but the problem with asking that question on this side of it um, is that I all I have in my mind right now is a miniseries. Uh, <laughs> so I'm a little bit jaded on that. You know, it had been – I'd watched the miniseries when it came out. I okay. might have watched it soon after it came out, but it was a good eight years since I had come back to the miniseries. So when I read Children of Dune, I was more viewing it through the – I think that I was more influenced by what I had read of Kevin J. Anderson and Brian Herbert's writing than I was of the miniseries. 
So that was influencing the way I pictured, viewed, and understood Children of Dune. Um, now, that being said, there were parts when I watched a miniseries this time that I was anticipating because I did remember them. Like when he's facing okay. the sandstorm and quoting the mantra, you know, face my fear, which I actually, I, for some reason, remembered him reciting the entire litany against fear, and he doesn't. It's just like the first four lines they repeat, which, by the way, if there's one nitpick for the movie, there's just a couple of lines that they seem to force on you. you like, my skin is not my own. Are mm-hmm. you know, I will face my fear. Like that's obviously that that's reoccurring in Dune too, but in the and it's not as bad in the context of a 400, 500 page novel. Um, in a two hour movie, uh, well, I guess in a six hour miniseries seemed a little bit more continuous yeah. and maybe a little bit more like they were beating a drum. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it wasn't enough to bother me. It was just something that I noticed. It said, "Oh, skin is not my own." Oh, they said that again. So, <laughs> so I was uh, I, I kind of got sidetracked there. Sorry, but um, so short answer: I don't think that it did influence my reading of Children of Dune because I think I was more influenced. If anything, I was probably more influenced by our watching of Dune or the Kevin J. Anderson Brian Herbert universe. Hmm. Okay, I'll yeah. I'll chime in and say that it, it it did influence my reading of Dune or Children of Dune because I have watched this miniseries so many times <laughs> and I love it so much that in some areas my memory of Children of Dune is so convinced that it's like the miniseries that when we read the books or even even Dune Messiah like I was convinced those death scenes were also in the book, which they weren't. And it's just like small things. It enhances it because I'm like, well, I have an idea of what this person's doing, even though they aren't talking about them. But then the book just never talks about them. Like Irulan, they never really bring up her in in certain areas. I'm like, oh, well, I guess they just don't ever, you know, it's (laughs) not, they just did that for the movie. So there's a couple things where like reading the book kind of put me back on the path, I guess, you know, as to what really happened uh, for this, but uh, I, st- I think it enhances the book for me. See, now I almost wish I had seen the miniseries before I read the book. Yeah, the book for you was not a uh, easy journey, was it, Jim? It, it, yeah, it, that one was challenging. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm just waiting for the emails yeah. about that. Uh, you know, that episode just went up, so we'll see what happens next time. Yeah, we'll see. We'll get some. By the way, just uh, Matthias also said about, we were talking about Leto before we get too far from that. Uh, didn't he create some humongous pillar thingy in the book? I don't remember. I don't remember him doing that, but it's been yeah. a few months since I he read it. He lifts it or something. He lifts it? I can't, I can't really remember. I know that he does display like huge feats of strength. Yeah. Uh, beyond what the movie does. Right, right. Well, you know, the, the, one of the things that the thing that I was anticipating when we came to this, I may not have watched Children of Dune in eight years, but I have listened to, I own this soundtrack <laughs> and I've listened to it 
couple times a year, if not more. Like it's the soundtrack that's in my rotation. Mm-hmm. And so when they start playing that music and it's in the soundtrack has an order that it appears, I'm like, there's certain pieces I'm just waiting for, you know, it's just, <laughs> and I'm just like on the edge of my seat. And so like one of those pieces is the arrival of Lady Jessica. Mm-hmm. When she steps out, the music just swells and there's this grand thing. And I'm, I'm like running the treadmill and there's chills just going up and down my body as I'm watching this. I'm like, this is why this movie's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's just that, yeah. it's that, it's that musical connection. And there were a couple of, of moments like that. Um, that you just kind of, uh, that, 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 that Brian Tyler just, um, that's the guy that did it, right? Tyler Brian, is. yeah, Tyler. I think it's Brian Tyler. Just did this awesome job with the music, and he's done music, by the way, for so many movies, yeah. so many movies. So it was great that they got him. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Really. The soundtrack was incredible. This yeah. that opening scene where with the flyover, yeah, of the palace. Uh uh-huh. The palace is so it. grand. That I wanted to stand up and cheer. It was so awesome. <laughs> However, when they did it a second time for yeah. for one of the later ones, it it that was kind of a letdown for me. Well, you know, Jim, if you're going to spend money on that sort of visual effect, you have to use it more than yeah. once. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I would have liked to have seen more of that flyover, actually. But yeah. but I'll say I mean you did you watch it in what, like one sitting maybe two I I I watched yeah I watched it from end to end okay yeah that's usually how I I did I'm like we're not stopping it was uh, three three sittings for me well it makes sense that that's how it's, it was meant to be consumed yeah. uh, as a matter of fact I watched it twice that way nice <laughs> nice I mean, that's, that's such a good film but I I watched it when it came out on TV so. When you think of it being twenty four hours between between parts, that second okay. flyover has a lot more weight to it because you've okay. been waiting to jump back into this world, and then it's like it's a reminder. It's a reminder, yeah. and then you, you you kind of flash back in your mind to the, how grand it was the first time, and you're like, yeah, like the first time you're like, yes, yeah. so this time you're like, yes, yeah, so I'm back in. Like here we go, get ready. Okay. I'll buy yeah. that. Yeah. Definitely. But no, I, I do hear you. And I think maybe that's part of the issue, even with like the lines that are repetitive spread over three nights right. of a miniseries. It may not feel quite that much because there is that time. Yeah. There's that time, you know, and I agree, mm-hmm. Jim, that flyover was awesome. In fact, up to that, when they're flying over the desert and he's following the worm sign and there's these three worms that come up and they're like in the mall of the worm and flying out of it and they're freaking out airline yeah. is absolutely opening scene of the part of part two is incredible yeah and mm-hmm. and then i uh, the flyover i mean when you see the citadel and the palace that paul has created since the first dune movie yeah it's insane you see how big the and you see the church of alia is just as big like right there oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Man, I, I I will say I would recommend that if you have the time to watch it in one sitting, like like Jim and I have done. I mean, yeah, it's a commitment. But if you're the person who could sit through something like that, and the soundtrack yeah. is definitely worth owning. Yes, you know, watching it that way both times, the time just went by like uh, like nothing. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. it didn't feel like as many hours as it was. Right. 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 No, <laughs> I totally agree. I, I agree with that. Uh, well, I mean, we've covered a lot of stuff. No, we did. I don't even know where to go from here. Um, uh, what else do we have to talk about? The <laughs> well, we talked about the characters. <laughs> did we talk? Do we have any? Do we have any other scenes other than what we mentioned that maybe are favorite scenes for us? You know, what I, about like Jakaruta? Did that did that kind of fit your image of what you pictured? And it's it's definitely cut down, but uh, yeah, I, I like I like the scene of him and what's her name. What's the girl's name? I don't even know. But the girl. The girl. Yeah. We're going to call her the girl. The Someone girl. in the chat room might let us know, but the girl. I mean, I like I like in the book a lot more how he imagines like the, a life with her as an escape from the golden path. Um, and they don't really explain what the golden path is. In, they in the they mention it's a, it's a, it's a life free from. Premonition. Premonition. Yeah. Right. But, uh, so without knowing. A life yeah. without a predestined future. Right. Right. But it's like in the books, it's greater because it's also, of all the possible futures, the golden path is the only one where humanity doesn't go extinct. Mm-hmm. So Right. And they don't really establish that no, here now. No, no. It's just the golden path, the golden path, and how Paul can't do it. Right. I'll tell you what. The Jakarutu scene, the one thing that stands out to me in that is how nasty that spice drink looks. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I cannot understand how somebody could drink that. It looks like a cur- it looks like a curdled like eggnog to me. <laughs> curdled eggnog. That's just with yeah. some gray food coloring or something in it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. It, it was definitely it, it. It reminded me of a cup full of water after you've done watercolor painting (laughs) (laughs) yeah with chunks in it (laughs) do you know what do you know what other scene that really i just liked is when is when (laughs) when when lato's staying there with paul and um i guess it's gurney and they're in the desert and he is Calling the worm with its foot yeah. to create the to create the thumper, and it's, it's okay. action. And it's a it's the force he's driving. And you hear his, and it's the sound effects in it. It's yeah. just this, and you see the worm comes, and he just grabs onto it and begins to steer the worm with it. It's just incredible seeing that scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> any for you, Jim? Any any big standout scenes? You know what? When Paul tells Alia it's time to settle accounts. He grabs her hand. All, right? yeah. yeah. And when and then and then when they cut to that all that killing and all that other stuff and the music that was with that, you know, this peaceful, wonderful music and and Stilgar is looking like he's having way too much fun. You know. Uh <laughs> <laughs> And Corba getting hauled off to the the death still, that was for me what, what about maybe two minutes. Yeah, that made the entire movie for me. Yeah, that's probably my favorite scene. We've talked a lot yeah. about the Children of Dune part. What about the Dune Messiah part? What other than the death scene? Any parts of that really stand out to you? Uh, yeah, I'll start out <laughs> with. 
with the Corba thing, when yeah. I read that, it seemed like it was more of a public execution of him. I I think they they pared that scene down a lot. Well, I don't remember them saying how they killed him publicly in the book. I just had the impression that Alia was present and watched. Yeah. And and a lot of people, I mean, she was sending a message to everybody, you screw with me and this is going to happen to you. I have uh, I have some good trivia about Corba for the listener feedback show, so Oh yeah, so yeah. that'll be awesome. I uh wow. That first that you know, I'm gonna be honest, I you know, that it's the ending that's memorable. I mean him being able to see with his blind eyes is kind of cool. Um, but it's him walking out in the desert is pretty awesome. But I kind of forget the first part of that. Like that, we talked for me, Dune Messiah is, was, was kind of the between book that everyone didn't really like. And there were some neat points with it. And, um, the guy that played the you know dwarf, Pijaz. yeah, Pajaz, uh, was kind of was kind of cool. I like him, but I, I you know I just no real nothing real memorable comes out. I, I one I like Pijaz, and I like uh, the scene where uh, Skytail comes to as Leechna comes and asks uh, Paul to go to. Uh, what's this uh, Othium and uh, I that's not in the book in the same way is that when she leaves Stilgar and Paul just kind of look at each other and they're like face dancer for sure and and to me it's like oh that's such like a cool scene how they didn't they didn't play that they they knew while she was in the room like Skytail probably thinks he got away fine and then it's even made more impressive having read uh Winds of Dune, where you learn how Paul spent time with face dancers. Right. So he would be able to pick one out. And that obviously informs mm-hmm. him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they t- you know, one of the things we didn't discuss in the miniseries is how they captured the worm. Oh, and, yeah. And that, the capture of that worm, pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but if I recall correctly, they, they show that worm numerous times off of Arrakis and alive. Yeah, but and they don't show him dying. But don't they mention how they don't survive? He said, like, I think Faradin says something like they never survive for very long. Right, but they never, but they yeah. don't show that worm dying. Right, and it, I felt like that that entire idea. Well, I guess when they were they were in Jakarut, they mentioned the sound trout and they're raising them to sell off world, mm-hmm. but it doesn't sound like they've gotten anything to live off world. Like this is kind of maybe a repeat business type thing. I don't know. It just it felt it felt a bit underplayed. Yeah, a little bit more prominent maybe in the uh, book. Right, right. Let's since you brought that up, we've barely touched on Frodner wants to see you, and uh, yeah, what's his name? The general who barely. I mean, he has a role, but you, I don't even know if you remember if you, you hear his name all that often in the movie. No, no, you definitely don't. He's not as prominent. No. That that best part is when they arrive in Arrakis, <laughs> and Faradin turns him one seat. Yeah. It's just absolutely awesome. Like she has no idea, mm-hmm. and it's like, wing. I like Faradin in the movie a lot better than I do in the book. I feel he he does play more more of a victim in the movie, 
uh, like he's more soft and innocent, but at the same time, mm-hmm. he, he has this more, uh, intellectual tone to him that I feel like the Haraka or Ada or whatever you say it, uh, would have, but where in the book, he's, he's intelligent. He's less innocent. Cause he, he finds out about the, the murder, like, at, you know, a little bit earlier and takes the throne or his place a little bit earlier. And he kind of, he doesn't like what's done, but he's trying to use it to his advantage anyway. Right. Make the best out of it. So I don't know. Yeah. I, for Auden, I just kind of felt like he was standing there saying, can I have a job? Please. Yeah. Can I have a job? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so Roland brings up a, a, a comment here in the chat. Couldn't the, uh, couldn't the worm just burrow away? And, uh, I don't know if you're talking about when they captured it or when it was. I think that is. Secundus. But I think with the idea is that the water was too, like it's it's like seeping into the sand and and they can't touch water or they'll die. Yeah. So you think there was? Do you think they had put water underneath the sand so it couldn't die? Well, in the I know in the movie they capture it like up against a mountain, so there's probably stone. Underneath. My imagination was there was stone under it. And once they have the cords yeah. going across it, and they st- make it stationary, can it still burrow? Well, I, don't, I mean, it had a net under it, right? So that makes it a little bit difficult. Yeah, yeah. Uh, By the way, Roland put in there that the girl's name at Jakarutu was Sabiha. Yeah, oh, there you go. Yep, that's what it was. Yeah. So, so Roland, a resident encyclopedia. That's right. That's encyclopedia Dune. Encyclopedia Dune. <laughs> <laughs> we have a new role for you, Roland. Um, and, you know, Matthias says one thing I was wondering about is how the is the worm just lies there in the cradle and looks like it can slip out by just wiggling. It's not harnessed. It's it's not harnessed. It seems. Well, so. I don't know. I mean, think of a snake. I guess. Caught in a net, caught type in a net, thing, yeah. or or held up by a bunch of people where they're just holding it straight and it can't get away. Uh, I mean, I don't. I'm no biologist. Have you ever held a snake? I have held a snake. But I mean, like when several people hold like a python, you know what yeah. I mean? Like in a, in a line, like it's not going anywhere. Right. Well, maybe. I don't know. And, and it, you know, it's hard to know, too, um, if that worm had been ridden. Do they don't say do this capture in the wild yeah. or is it driven there? And if they drive it there and it's been it's been it's been it's been running for a while, they say it's these tired. worms get tear, tired out. So if they tired out the worm ahead of time, it wouldn't have as as much fight. Yeah, would be maybe one way that you could argue. I don't know. We're basically grasping for straws here. Yeah, we're no we're making it up as we go here. I think in the book yeah. they say they take them a lot younger. Yes, so that makes more sense. However, cinematically. This was pretty freaking yeah, awesome. Was pretty awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. No doubt about that. The only thing it was missing was Jim on top of it playing a lute. <laughs> but we would have been fine. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think uh, you know the only thing they mention here is that when they when it when it when they the one guy get flies up into the air. It's a part of that. It's kind uh, of cool. They just need the Wilhelm yeah. scream there at that point. Yeah. The one that you always hear yeah. in all the movies. I, my, yeah. I guess when I, when I watch that scene, the biggest thing that comes to mind is how would they get the worm so perfectly in the net? Cause it's like exactly where they need them to be for those hooks to pop up. And, you know, like, wow, that's 
pretty big circumstance. Yeah, unless whatever. unless we're not looking at the right place in the sea. Maybe there is. Maybe there's like a channel in water one side yes, and a yeah. rock wall, so the the worm wouldn't deviate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And the worms do Question seem to travel you. straight lines pretty well. What are you going to say, Jim? I was going to say a question for you, David. Sure. What was with the butterfly? The butterfly symboled what was happening to Dune and how it was becoming ah. more moist. Because, you know, I noticed on uh, Leto's hand after after he got the first sand trout on him that it looked like a butterfly on his hand. Yeah. I don't know if there's a connection there or not. You know what really scared the hell out of me? <laughs> What's that? Is that they were going to do a mashup between that and Under the Dome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little scary. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, hmm, that, would be, that would be scary. I do yes. love the design <laughs> on his hand, though. That is. That's, that, the, I'm, you know, I, I've talked about it a couple times. I'm thinking about another tattoo doom themed and it is similar or, or a uh, nod to that look on his arm so mm. anyway yeah there's nothing i'm just checked real quick on the internet is there anything about the butterfly and there's nothing yeah i think it just symbolizes the change and the moisture in the air since they don't talk about it too much i think it's just a visual clue to that that fact that these Water fat creatures mm. can exist on Dune now. Yeah. So. What did you think of the cats? The cats? The dogs, the cats, the people that, the things that hunted the kids. Oh, the Laza Tigers. Yeah. I thought you were making a throwback to the pugs and, uh, yeah, no. And Lynch's too. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're okay. I mean, they're old CGI saber tooth tigers. Yeah. I th- they serve their purpose to me. I'm going to tell you what, when they jump out of that one rock, rock wall, I do jump. <laughs> I do, I do. So. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. So where are we at here with our uh, discussion? What else do we need to talk about? Well, I think N- not, there's not really favorite quotes. Yeah, this, no. My skin is not my own. <laughs> I, I did have a quote. Go sure, ahead. Let's go. Okay. Uh, let me find it here. Um... Uh, Alia says, uh, while they're having a meeting, um, Atreides' power must never be marginalized by the chaos of democracy. And that was in reaction to the, the suggestion of forming a constitution and it getting rejected and then forming a fake constitution. Um, and it, it kind of symbolizes to me how much the... Uh, how how much they they really seem to enjoy their power. Mm. Ali is not not willing to let power go. Mm-hmm. One of the lines I really love from Alia is the way she cuts off Jessica in in the movie. Uh, she's like, "We'll have the the uh, commodity on the most precious resource in the universe." And I have the line totally wrong, but it's right <laughs> after the attempted assassination. And Jessica's mm-hmm. like telling the crowd how Alia um, planned what she plans to do when the worms start to disappear. I really like that part, mm-hmm. just the way that mm-hmm. line is delivered. Uh, there are some good lines. Um, 
you know, the history's written on the sands of Arrakis, the chapter's ended, swept away by the whirlwind, one door is closed, but another's open, and on the other side, our future. <laughs> you know, there's a, a, a quote about, you know, about leaders and human, uh, that, that they are, we forget that they're but, uh, human or something like that. Let me see if I can find it real quick. We can move on. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I don't know. I, mean, I feel like we've pretty much pretty well covered everything. It's pretty obvious we love this movie. Yeah, we do. Uh, I'll start oh, with yeah. my rating, five out of five. I, I mean, I watch this movie so often, I can't, <laughs> can't give it anything else. Well, I have to evaluate this separate from a book. I mean, you can't you can't evaluate it in line with the books. Um, if we were if we were evaluating it in line of Lynch, Dune, and Children of Dune, uh, hands down, this 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 is a five out of five rating for me. There's just there's just uh, I can't rate it any lower. I can't rate any. I mean, I guess it could go higher, but it's definitely a, <laughs> this is a five out of five for me, and it's it's just it's just really good. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it sounds like it's unanimous because I I decided this afternoon it had to be a five. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd say if you if you watched it twice so close together the whole way through in one sitting, it's probably about there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I'll tell you what, my son's going to have a tough time getting it back from me because I intend to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. It's, uh, it's just, it's it's well done. You know, for a miniseries, it's rare. I, I think that I think that we said that um, this was probably one of the highest rated miniseries that um, Sci-Fi Channel had until Tin Man came along. You know, which was 2010, 2011. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it held, you know, for a good eight year period, held like number one spot. Wow. And yeah. Well, let, let's take a look to the future, the far, far distant. What, what, what are we, what, what are we reading in the future of next month? Of next month? We're reading God Emperor of Dune. Dun, dun, dun. What are your predictions? What do you want to see in this book? I'll preface that it, there is a three thousand year jump. I think at least three thousand. Yeah, but some of the characters are still alive. <laughs> yeah, not, not a fake thing. So, at least one of the characters is still. Alive. <laughs> yeah, one of the characters is alive. <laughs> what What do you expect in God Emperor of Dune? Let's start with Jim. Um, I would expect to see. Probably the end of war and being kind of on the way with the golden path and, and finding a little more about what that's about and how that's shaped up. Yeah. You've never read it, right? Right. No, I have not read it. Same with you, Jim. Uh, it's been, been a long, long time, many years. Yeah. I, I haven't read it. I mean, I know very little about it, and I knew, I do know that, you know, Leto is still around. <laughs> um, I know that much, and I think what I'm interested in is, in one way, the conflict from the prequels on up till now, in a sense, has been the whole Atreides-Harkonnen rivalry. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. In that... Or I guess Carino, you can throw in there as well. And for all intents and purposes, that seems to have ended with Children of Dune. And so, what now? 
Is it just yeah. the battle for Arrakis and the worms? Is it, uh, where does, uh, you know, we kind of, you know, when we got into the prequels, we were, they were heavy with the spacing guild and we got, we got, we got, we got a lot into the, the commerce guild and, um, and, and so we, we, we saw, but, but that was very marginalized when it came at least to the movie and then maybe even children are doomed to somewhat. Was kind of those those roles were minimalized. So we're going to see them play bigger roles in the in God Emperor. And those of you that have read it are laughing at me because you know, but I don't. I don't. <laughs> and so this is you know, David asked, you know, what what do we think? And it's going to be interesting to see how 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 it's explored. I'm looking forward to rereading what is my favorite book in the series. I remember when I finished this book. And I moved on to the next one. I was like, I want to read that again <laughs> uh, someday. And not right away because it is heavy. Um, so I'm just looking forward to re-experimenting with my ideas of what it is and my memories of how good it is, see if it lives up to it. So, David, it, am I mistaken or are there several Duncans in this upcoming book? Oh, I have heard that. Yes. So, I mean, the Tlaxu are okay. still making their golas. Well, yeah. Uh, For some reason, if I, if I recall, Leto gets mad and kills him, and then they send a new one, and then he becomes sentient, and then they kind of get wonky, and he has to have them replaced every so often. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, basically, it's kind of like... Uh, Kind of like what the Baron did with. La, 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 la. No, I'm just kidding. This is no. spoiling it. <laughs> it, it. It's kind oh, of like with what Piter. The, yeah. the difference is that Leto awakens the memory of of the Gola every time. So he is, so he is Duncan. Uh, right. Yeah, I can't remember if they wait if he's a Gola of he's a Gola Gola Gola. If he's if he remembers the wife that just got killed or not, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. We will find out for sure. Yeah. So, well, before we move on, Matthias said, "Too bad they didn't make a mini series of God Emperor Tune back then." Yeah, you know, I was hoping for it so much, but James McAvoy is too much of an A lister or B lister, I guess. I, I don't know. He's he's up there. Yeah, yeah. He's probably at least a B B lister to. To probably get back for a TV show, unless he is passionate about it. Now, of course... Well, he wouldn't be as young anyways. They could put another actor in there, probably. Yeah, yeah. They could. I mean, it would be CG anyways. Yeah, I mean, he'd be... Yeah, so... Yeah. No so. matter. <laughs> but it'd be another Duncan, the third Duncan. So, yeah. So, I don't know. I, I would like to see yeah. it. I just don't know how they would do it and do it well. I, I, that's a good question. Matthias, remind us of this question after we've read God Emperor and we can remember how the story goes and, and how it might fit uh, as a television show. So, yeah. So I think that brings us to the end of our show, huh? That sounds good to me. Yeah. I think we've discussed this. There's probably, there's probably things you wanted to talk about that we missed. And if so, let us know and we'll talk about it in our next listener feedback show. We'd love to hear about. Uh, the things that you thought about children to do, and especially if you didn't get a chance to send in your thoughts, uh, in our next, in our, in our listener show that we'll be releasing right prior to this episode, I guess. Yeah. Yep. So holidays got us a little behind, but we're back on track. Uh, just so before, uh, we get into contact, we just want to let you know we've kept the, uh, 
question from last month on another month because of the, the, the holidays. The, the holidays. So the question is, which path would you choose? Paul's path or Leto's path? And that's uh, Leto the second. Right. So uh, let us know any of our, po- our posts on the com. You can find the poll on them and you can vote right there. Uh, so if you would like to be a part of the show and you can't make our live broadcasts to, to chat with us while we're recording. Which, you- by the way, you can always visit. We announce it on Facebook, Twitter, and those sorts of areas. But it's always on our event, the evening that we're going to record. We put it in at least a month in advance. And we do record live, com backslash live. We'll yep. take you there. And there's a calendar on our website where you can see when. Yeah, and at times, we're, we're, we try to get there within about a half an hour. Sometimes we're, we're on a little bit later. Yeah. yeah. So. Okay. Uh, so, but you can email us at dunesagapodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook where the conversation's constantly going at facebook.com slash dunesagapodcast. We're also on Twitter at dunesagapodcast. Uh, if you so choose, you can always leave us a voicemail, which we love. And the voicemail number is one two six zero five seven seven chat one two six zero five seven seven two four two eight. So uh, one last thing: if you're enjoying the show and you'd like to help c- contribute to keeping us going, you can visit our Patreon page. Patreon is a service that helps support uh, the arts and shows like ours. Um, and every month that we uh, put something out there, we have a subscription service and you get different levels that you can subscribe to with different types of rewards. So we want to thank everyone that's been a part of it so far. Um, it's really great to have that support that you're giving us there. Of course, the show will always be free. It's just if you feel like giving back. Awesome. So once again, for the Dune Saga podcast, I'm David Moulton. And I am Scott Herzog. And I am Jim Arrowwood. And may Shai Hulud clear the path before you.